sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sex just isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have a wonderful guest with me today. I am just so excited that you're here. DeAndrea Blylock Johnson, sexuality relationship therapist, and also your favorite sex therapist. She actually claimed that before anybody. I'm just absolutely tickled that you have claimed that. I'm going to point you all towards YouTube. You just have to see this girl. She just blows me away. And she's laughing at me right now. <laughs> I'm just really excited that you're here. Welcome, Deandrea. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so very, very happy to be here. We've got a tough topic today and we're we're probably going to get all the comments. We're going to get all the the and probably angry faces on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but you know I'm okay with it. Right? I'm okay with I that. Can live with yeah. that. We're going to talk about sex and the Christian faith today, folks. Woo. Mm-hmm. We're going to dive right in. Yeah. I know I've talked about it on the show a little bit before. I am a person of faith, graduated from university that is faith-based, so it's And the fact that I wanted to be a sex therapist made them very uncomfortable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we want to break down some myths here today. And some of the things that we see for people who identify themselves as people of faith or Christian and some of the issues that they face. So why don't you just jump right in and tell them a little bit about yourself. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of the things you see with your clients. Okay. I do identify as a Christian actually identify as uh, Christian Plus. That's the moniker that I came across. I have been a therapist ooh, for a long time, since 2005, but having specific training in sexuality and working in the field of sexuality uh, since 2011. And not from some like random school. She's got ASAC training and that's important. That is important in our field. Yes, it is very important. I'm often even when I'm not able to accept clients, I definitely try to refer them to, well, not try, I do refer them to people who I know have the appropriate training in sexuality. There are a lot of people who will call themselves a sex therapist or sex coach without having that training. And you just want to make sure that you're with someone who has the appropriate tools to help you through whatever you're working on in your journey. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You can't see our faces, but we're rolling our eyes at the many times we've seen folks out here who do advertise themselves as like a sex therapist or a sex coach, and they don't have any of the training that would allow them to really carry that kind of title and be able to provide adequate care and do no harm. So tell us a little bit about some of the common things you see from your clients or some, maybe even some of the common misconceptions. I get a lot of questions. Really, people want to know, am I normal? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Every single one of them. Everyone. Everyone. Is this normal? And I joke and I say that normalcy is overrated. But everyone just wants to, to see, you know, I feel this way or I think this thing or I like this. Is Is that okay? And I always say, you know, if it's between and amongst consenting adults and, you know, do what you do. And as long as everyone's consenting and able to provide consent, we're all right. And and so if it is causing harm, you or another person, and it's not a 
a desired effect of whatever activity that you're doing, then let's explore that. Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. People want to know, am I normal? Like I said, normalcy is overrated. Let, let's, let's get out of that. <laughs> now let's look at what the, what the real issues are. You did a video on Periscope and y'all can find this on the YouTube channel. I'll make sure everything is so that you can find Deandra on all the socials and all those things in the show notes. But you had talked about something that really just resonated with me. And I, I remember even as a kid, like hearing negative messages about sex from the church, hearing negative messages about sex outside of marriage. It was just negative, right? <laughs> like, and you were yeah. the pastor you were listening to and how this there was this negative view of masturbation, but then in the same breath, there was this, like, you do it with your partner. And, but mm-hmm. It's this assumed, I guess, duality almost that doesn't even make sense. Like, it's not even congruent. Specifically with the idea of the purity movement, and I just hate that term because I believe that virginity is a social construct that was created to control the sexuality of women. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know Tom is listening to me right now. Tom is our podcast editor. For those of you who are listening, I know y'all have heard me messaging him before. I just yelled into the mic and he's like, I hate you, Erica. But the (laughs) fact that that as a Christian sex therapist just tickles me. Tickles. (laughs) Because girl, it's the truth. I just think about when you, when you look at what marriage was, it was a business arrangement. And so in order for me to ensure that my property, my wife, okay, my property, and then our offspring, my property, are mine. So that when I die and I leave my, you know, whatever physical property, I know that they're my rightful heirs. Like that was what virginity was used for, to know that these children who are my property <laughs> are my rightful heirs to whatever I leave behind. It, it's the social constructs created to control the sexuality of women. I think because we have the privilege or the fortune of using marriage, not as a business arrangement, but we're actually able to marry for love. We're able to marry for other reasons. We forget kind of the roots of it. (laughs) And we try to apply these things that don't make sense for our current culture. And I think that's why it's so important. You know, as a Christian, I still believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God. However, it's important to look at it still as a work that was created with a specific cultural context. Just so much of that. I'm also uh, taking some seminary classes, not to get a seminary degree, but just to have uh, a better understanding. I was a theology minor at undergrad. And when my clients request uh, therapy from a Christian perspective, I like to be able to give good, solid steps to them. So that's why I'm, you know, kind of further in my education in that in that area. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love every piece of this because I get, and I think that many clients that come to me, and I know that you've probably experienced this as well, to have people who need to actually do some healing after their experiences with sexuality or understanding their own Mm -hmm. sexuality and the church Mm -hmm. and hiding because of how the tree, the church treated them. And um, and it's just, I think in our field, we have to do kind of this, this very interesting balance. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like your clients have kind of expressed our pain. So 
I'm very unique in that I provide therapy from a Christian perspective to people in the LGBTQ plus community. And I also believe that I serve a God who created all of us in God's image without mistakes. And I'm a sex therapist, right? (laughs) (laughs) Very unique. But what I see often is that I'll have clients who identify within the spectrum of gender or sexuality who want a life therapist, a Christian therapist, Mm -hmm. and someone who is not trying to do any type of reparative therapy or anything like that. And so I work with clients often who are trying to get to a place where they feel that they can serve a God who loves them for who they are. So I'm not doing sex therapy at that moment. I may be working with anxiety or depression or, you know, whatever else. But because of my sexuality training, it offers a different kind of openness that people are able to appreciate so that they can work through what, whatever issues that they have. Because there's a lot of church hurt out there. There are very few churches that I know of where you can be a person of color and out and still go to church. <laughs> very few places like I can think of. And, and specifically, if you're looking for a traditional Black church experience, very few places. We kind of sift through those those issues, and I have some connections within the faith community, so I can say, well, hey, this is a place you can go, or you know what, you may not want to go to this place, which is sad, but safety is important. What an important role you're playing for your for your clients in that you're yeah. providing that that filter for them, right? To mm-hmm. the priority is to keep them safe, and providing them a place to be able to ask questions that will one, keep them safe, but two, lead them in a direction that will help them uh, overall generally. And so I, I'm just so tickled. I just keep saying that. I'm just so <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy when you've been raised in any, and there's a lot of faith perspectives that people have been harmed by. And mm-hmm. so like when you think about the goals of therapy, maybe whether it be dealing with trauma or they've got anxiety or depression. When you think about how you're of most help when it comes to kind of bridging the world of faith and, and sex, like, I mean, we've already kind of tackled the, am I normal question, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would you say would be kind of that next first step for a person that it will often like step into your office and say, I need help? I really, really try to to drill down what are their self-defined goals and what is it that they're specifically looking for? Because a lot of times we are... um, we're so abstract and I know as a therapist, you see this too. So I really try to help people get concrete about what is it that you're working for? What is it that you're really dealing with? And it may take a few sessions to get to that. So once we're able to really figure out what it is that we're, that we're working on, I don't want to say it becomes easy, but 
It is a little easier, though, because you know exactly what roles you're going down or, or what you're going to work on. I think that is kind of half the battle as a therapist. Is like, really? Yeah. What's actually going on here? Is it is it a gender issue? Is it a is it a religious issue? Is it a trauma? Is it and, and that it, that is it really is half the battle of what's actually happening here. Quick break from the action, folks. <laughs> action. <laughs> I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week, I bring you guests and. Seriously, lots of sex nerdery. (laughs) Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys. When you think about some, because I know you work with the LGBTQ plus community, what are some of the things that they are often processing, like bringing kind of those two worlds together if they can at all? Like, are, are they trying to kind of mend some hurts? Like, what do, what do you frequently see? Um, and it, it's I'm trying not to get emotional. Mm. Does God love me as who I am? Oh, that is so powerful. And so like, I'm, I'm, we're both th- therapists. We just do, we get yeah. emotional together. Like, we feel the thing, <laughs> right? Like we do, we just yeah. feel things that our clients bring into the room with us. And, mm-hmm. and that, that question is so, when they ask it, it is so painful to hear, right? Yeah. Oh. That they had so many experiences that put them in a position where they had to question God's love for them. And of course, these are clients who, you know, specifically ask for, for uh, therapy from a Christian perspective. I'll take them to Psalm 138. Mm. No, Psalm 139. Mm-hmm. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'll take them to Psalm 139, where it says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. Another thing I talk about is how Hebrew is one of those languages that uses gender for specific words, like French and Spanish. And so there are certain words that they use to describe God. Some are male, but also some are female. Specifically, Shekinah, which is used to describe the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And I talk about how if God made us, and this may sound heretical, I don't care because I'm not a Bible scholar, but if God made us in their image, then that is and shoot, that's even in Genesis. God made us in his image, male and female, right? But I'm also thinking if we believe that God is one being and that God, this one being created all of us, mm-hmm. wouldn't they have to have some, I don't want to say multiplicity, but still have representation in so many different ways if all of us are created in that image. So like, we end up having some kind of deep theological <laughs> discussions 
But it's like, oh, these are questions that I've never allowed myself to ask. Yes. Because often we're told, you know, not to, this is what the Bible says and that's it and don't ask questions. But I think about, and then that's something else that I tell people too, how you get to know someone is through conversation. And often that conversation includes asking questions. So if you can't ask God questions, how are you going to get to know God and get to be closer to God? Yeah. So I kind of open the door. And I think that's what we do as therapists. We open the door for faith communication. And I think when I'm able to do that from a Christian perspective, kind of opening the opening the door for safe communication with God, however they perceive God to be. Ooh, I'm getting chills. I'm a little, I'm a little chills over here. That was just absolutely wonderful because I think you're absolutely right that and I love how you, you, that initial, like, want to call God there. Like, I, I think that, yeah. that, that it, that's when we think about it from a Christian perspective, if God holds mm-hmm. all beings, then all mm-hmm. versions of beings exist. Mm-hmm. And, and how there's no exclusion in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was recently talking to someone who practices Yoruba traditional religion. And the way that they described their perspective was they believed in one guy, but that it it was multifaceted like a gemstone. And so they referred to the different facets as the different embodiments of God, but it was still one God. And that made so much sense to me that it's multiple facets of the same gemstone. Yeah, like I said, someone may listen to this. Oh, she's a heretic. I'm not trying to be a Bible scholar. I'm not a pastor. So I have the privilege of kind of just brainstorming and thinking of things. And then I'm having these conversations with God as well. And, you know, sometimes I get answers. Sometimes it's left in the wind and that's okay. Yes. I I hear this. I hear from you this. And I would imagine your clients probably interpret this from you. I hear this being okay with whatever it is and that there's an unknown element and you can roll with it. And that's exactly it. One thing that definitely got me a little bit more comfortable in not knowing was after losing my husband, I think we often have these, well, I just, I'm a planner. You know, I had this great plan. My life is going to look like this. Same. And up until, you know, and up until he passed, it was like everything was going as I thought it was going to be. And then out of nowhere, he passed away. And it's like, well, what? I don't know what to do with this. Like, you know, what's happening? And so I had to learn to be like, well, I don't know. I have no idea what tomorrow is going to be. And I, and I had to. I really realized I can only control what I can control, but this other stuff, I don't know. Yes. And, and, and I really, I had some conversations with God and that, I think that was the first time I allowed myself to be angry. But I realized if I could, there's this uh, song that says, my God, so he's so big, so strong and mighty. If I could sing that song, and believe that God is big and strong and mighty, then I have to understand that he's big enough and strong enough and mighty enough to handle my anger, my disappointment, my fear, my, you know, all of that. So, so yeah, that definitely got me to a point where it was like, 
Yeah, I don't know. But we just don't roll with it. (laughs) When you were talking about the loss of your husband and the challenge that poses to you as a person who's a planner, but also like we as humans really like to think we can see the future. Oh, yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. (laughs) And when we're challenged by that, I've had losses in my life that I, I, I felt that anger that you're talking about. And yeah. how we can, we as humans will run from every negative feeling that we have, whether mm-hmm. it's God or anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, but being able to express even the negative feelings towards God out loud and know that that is okay. Mm-hmm. And people do it because I think specifically with, with grief and loss, one thing that I realized is that people don't like to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and so experiencing other people's sadness with them is very uncomfortable. But my closest friends, when I tell you they help, they just they just sat with me. If all I wanted to do, specifically my big sister, if all I wanted to do was sit and cry and look at the wall, she just sit and cry. She just sit with me. And, you know, but because it's very uncomfortable when a lot of times people tell you, well, be strong, stay strong. I don't want to be strong right no. now. <laughs> and you no know? should be the requirement. Brene Brown yes. calls those friends the hide the body friends. And I think those yes. are the best way to refer to them. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. But my real friends are like, no, nah, we just don't sit here and we don't let it be what it is. And I'm so grateful for that. And I even think about, now Job's friends did trip with him eventually, but like at first, right when they first got with him, they just sat with him Mm. and let him feel what he felt, not trying to change at first. Now, like I said, they they did start tripping later on, but (laughs) initially, initially they sat with him. And that's sometimes the best thing that we can do, just sitting in that uncomfortable space. There's a scripture that says, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And like, those are different ways that you can lay down your life. Like you don't have to literally, you know, die, but to put yourself aside, to sit in an, uh, an emotionally uncomfortable space, that's laying down your life. I you know? love that. What a, yeah. what a beautiful way to think about that. And I think that... Mm-hmm. I mean, not to toot therapist's horns, but I feel like that's what we do a lot of the day. Yeah, yeah, it is. We literally hold people's pain and just hold Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to rush you from it. Yes. Even when you want to (laughs) rush. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. It's like, oh, I made you uncomfortable. Great. Let's, Let's stay here. Let's deal with it. You know? I, I remember people saying, oh, you're making me feel the feelings. So I was like, that's why I'm here. <laughs> so I do want to leave people with uh, like some dating questions because I know that you get a lot of dating questions. I do. So I think one of the ones that I heard you answer before in some of your work is like, is it okay to be in a couple or like those of us who work with ethically non-monogamous folks, like in a thruple, is it okay to have friends outside of the relationship? <laughs> excellent question. And I feel like we get it a lot. So what do you think? Yeah. Is it okay to have friends outside of a relationship? 
I think it's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> because like, what would be the purpose of community if you were able to get all of your needs met from one person? I think about, like, I had a great marriage, but I still had wonderful friendships outside of that. And he had wonderful friends outside of that. And like, I know I referenced my husband's passing a lot, but I think about if I didn't have friends outside of him, Mm -hmm. like who would have been there after he passed? Absolutely. To help me through that. And so like, it's so important to have community. I do think it's important though, to have friends that respect your relationship. I think about how when you are in a relationship, you want people who understand, oh, well, they may be spending more time with their boo thing and that's okay. You know, not someone who is going to throw shade on you or devoting a little bit more. Or they know that Friday night is date night. Well, I know we can't go out, you know, Friday night, but I'll catch them for mimosas at brunch on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just, just having friends who respect your relationship and have boundaries for that. Not only do I think it's okay, I think it's necessary. I think that we need to have community. I think it, it, it's important to have people who support you in your relationship. If we were to say you couldn't have friends outside of a relationship, one, you people already drive each other crazy when they're in relationships, one. But two, oh, yeah. that also like makes you ignore the whole life they had before you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That whole, it's me and you against the world, like that's, like maybe it's cute for a song or something, but like not in real life. It doesn't work in real life. (laughs) You need community. You need support outside of that because we get sick of each other. Absolutely. So I so appreciate you coming to talk with me today. And guess what? I'm probably going to have her back on because she just hooped. I just, uh, I'm so tickled that you've been here with me today. How do people find you in the world? And what do you have going on right now? Okay. So I am on all the social medias. <laughs> I am on YouTube. I'm as the sex therapist. On Twitter and Instagram, I am the Christian Sex Maven. That's C-H-R Sex Maven. And I just got back to St. Louis. I just completed a 10-week run of Antigone and Ferguson, which is about a one-hour adaptation of Sophocles' Antigone. But the chorus, most of the longer chorus parts are set to music by one of my good friends that we went to undergrad together. And so I serve as a member of the chorus. But after every performance, we have a conversation with the audience. And I uh, also co-facilitate those discussions. So, yeah, I've been a busy girl, but it's, it's been with good stuff. That's so uh, absolutely amazing. And I'm going to share all of that in the show notes. And I cannot wait. I'm going to jump on YouTube just to see some of these clips from Antigone and Ferguson, because I just think think that you've been able to facilitate some of these so necessary conversations and uh, who better to do it than a social worker. Uh, (laughs) America needs a therapist. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh, for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. So thank you again for being with me. And folks, thank you for sticking around to the end. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. 
please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.